0: The following presentation has been brought to you by HSF Productions. Making our way to the studio, representing the wrestling capital of the world, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada, your hosts of the Impromptu Wrestling Podcast, Tully and Damien welcome back to iwp the impromptu wrestling podcast we are your hosts on tally 006 over to my left as always is my brother damien how's it going this week
1: this has been a uh, a busy week for me uh but i am pumped to talk some wrestling i'm having a good friday Are, are you having a good friday
0: i'm having a swell friday All right. Uh, yeah, no happy Easter to everybody out there. Uh, hope there's some Turkey and some ham being cooked up, uh, over the weekend and everybody's enjoying a good meal this weekend. Uh, happy Easter. We have, uh, another banger of a show. We had a really awesome episode of dynamite this week. Um, living only in the shadow of, you know, the lights out match, uh, the week before a couple of weeks ago, I can't even remember how long ago that was. I'm still buzzing on it. If I feel like I watched it so many times, I feel like uh, it was just yesterday kind of, kind of deal. But uh, this was a really good episode. I, how many times did I pop during the the second half of this episode? the The second hour was just unreal. It was just, there were some moments. There's some really good moments, and then there was a better moment, and then there was an even better moment, and yeah, we'll get into it. But we also have some breaking kayfabe to go over. Impact this week. Without any further ado, let's get into it. Let's do it. <laughs> We have a couple items on Breaking Kayfabe this week. Uh, Most importantly, I feel uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling has unveiled a new heavyweight title design. This kind of was coming in the early hours of April Fools. I wasn't sure if it was a joke or not, but the more and more I looked into it, the more and more they had this thing on TV. It's in the shops. You know, people are buying replica models of this new belt design. Uh, I sent you a couple uh, Instagram posts showing showing it off. Uh, Ibushi holding it up. Uh, what What do you think of the new design? Is it Is it good? Is it fine? Is it dead ass ugly? What are your thoughts on the new <laughs> New Japan Pro Wrestling heavyweight title?
1: I don't know. It was. It's just okay. It's just okay. Uh, if they end up putting the the Cody logo on there, then I, I think it'll be <laughs> badass. But yeah, no, it's just okay. I, I mean, all their titles seem to be really different than the titles that we have around here. They they kind of have this old style. I feel like to it. So I don't know. It it wasn't good. It wasn't bad for me. Right. One of my favorite
0: uh, one of my favorite memes that came out of this was it sh- it shows. Cody's logo and then it shows the old divas title and oh, they're, yeah. they're imp- implying that these two are going to have a baby. And then, and then now comes the the new championship belt <laughs> from new Japan. I, I, I had to have a giggle. Um, if I'm comparing it to what they had before, I mean, I know that's a, that's a title that's been around for almost 20 years that, uh, you know, it, it kind of resembles AEW's belt. It kind of resembled what uh, WCW had, the big the big gold belt, as it was uh, known as. It had that similar feel. Um, I don't know what kind of metal they made it out of, but it always looked kind of tarnished. But I felt like that was part of the character of, of, of the championship. Yeah. Um, I think it was time for something new. I just think they missed it here. I, I think they, like, they went kind of small. They went Americanized. I feel like it's a very American-looking belt with the wings and 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 kind of the pointy edges. It's something WWE has always done. But uh, I don't know. It it it's getting mixed reviews. If our reviews are, uh, in itself, it isn't, uh, you know, uh hints enough of, of how the uh population of the wrestling world is reacting to this belt. It's very mixed. But uh it was definitely time, like I said. That belt's been around for well over 20 years now, so.
1: Right, right. Uh
0: another piece of news speaking of former New Japan IWGP uh World Heavyweight Champions. We had a little bit of April Fool April Foolery, if you will. Uh, April 1st, uh, was yesterday, right? Or the second today. Yeah. Um, I woke up pretty early, uh, early in the morning and my social media was just absolutely littered with this, uh, Brock Lesnar hashtag all elite. I, I had to have a chuckle. I'm like, oh yeah, that's April fools for sure. And then I kept seeing it and I kept seeing it and I kept seeing it. And I was like, wow, this is really catching on. There, you know, I we we kinda discussed it a little bit before we went live, you know. Are are these people actually falling for it that they're retweeting it or are they just feeding the fire of the joke because it is just kind of kinda out there? Well, what are your thoughts on people, you know, kind of trolling with um Brock Lesnar, hashtag O-Elite?
1: i I mean, I think we get that every single year, right? These kind of weird allegations on April 1st. And um, I mean, I'd be shocked if someone fell for this, but then I'm also not surprised that people. Right. Fell for this. Um, You know, uh, some people take wrestling as, um, you know, it's as, uh, as real as days of our lives. And um, (laughs) I I could see them falling for it. Uh, I mean, I would never ever believe this in a million years. I think even if it was to happen, I would still wouldn't believe it until you know. You know, I need to, I need to see him actually there. I don't think it'll ever happen. I don't think Brock Lesnar is a good fit for AEW. But hey, you never know.
0: Never know. I think if this was tweeted out or 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 shared by uh, actual all elite wrestling's social medias, I think I think that just takes the troll to a whole new level. I think it would have caught a lot of people. Would have caught me if it was on their account for sure. But uh, I thought it was a funny little, uh, funny little joke for April Fools. With that being said, let's move on to impact this week. <laughs> I happened to tune in to Impact this this week. Uh, it was being advertised that Don and Kenny were, were going to be on the show, so I got to make sure that I see it and, and see what's going on. I'm really excited about this this uh, title versus title, champion versus champion, promotion versus promotion match happening uh, at uh, Rebellion, which uh, we should note, I don't think we, we noted it last week. But uh, Rebellion has been moved from Saturday, April 24th to April, or Sunday, April 25th. So uh, I, I know we had reported it on it in the past. Rebellion's date has been set for a few months now. So it, it was just recently that uh, they're moving it to Sunday. I'm not sure what that has to do with, with anything. Yeah, we had a good show on Impact. This This Dawn backstage segment... With uh, uh, his name's Willie, right? Uh, he kind of he's going after Rich Swan by coming after his friends, and and Willie's just sitting in the back. It looks like a, like a mess hall or something like that, uh, cafeteria. He's just sitting at a table and on his phone. And Don comes and is just again pushing that doubt in in, in Rich Swan and and trying to kind of come after his friends. It's eventually interrupted by Rich Swan, and uh, they have a, a, a quick back and forth. And Rich kind of puts it out there like, you know, I, I just, you're so lucky you're an executive here, and, uh, you know, I can't smack the taste out of your mouth. And Don kind of chuckles to himself and takes the glasses off and just like basically, basically dares him to hit him, like, you know, for the next 10 minutes. I'm not your boss. What are you going to do about it? And it you know, he kinda chuckled and laughed and then all hell breaks loose as as Kenny and the Good Brothers attack Rich Swan from behind. I thought this was a really good segment. I thought Don had his words, you know, set, exact knew exactly what he wanted to say, and, and it got it out smooth, and I can't help but feel like that's because Kenny was, you know hiding out in the hall and wasn't sitting beside him. What'd you think of this spot with uh, Don and and Swan, which leads into the, into the beatdown from the Kenny and the good brothers.
1: I thought that this was one of the better segments we've seen on impact since we've been watching.
0: Definitely.
1: Uh, Like you say, Don did an awesome job and we're going to say this a couple of times this episode that, you know, Don did a really good job and I agree with you that it, was because Kenny was not a part of this when these guys are together they're constantly interrupting one another talking over one another another and there's no flow but here you know Don it was just him and Willie wasn't saying too too much Uh, they were taking turns when they did speak which you know fantastic (laughs) and um, yeah this segment came off really good and I don't know about you, but I'm expecting we're going to get a six-man tag at, at some point probably yeah. before the 25th. Uh, Eddie Edwards coming in
0: uh, to help Rich and Willie even up the odds a little bit. I, I yeah, I mean, it's basically already, the contract's already been signed. Scott D'Amour has the promos being made for it. We're going to see a six-man tag with Eddie Edwards, Rich Swan, and Willie taking on Kenny and the Good Brothers. This all most definitely happened uh, in the build-up to uh, Rebellion. April 25th, can't wait. Another uh, little spot in Impact that we always have to talk about is the Tony and Tony paid advertisement hyping up Dynamite uh, coming up in the next night. These spots have been getting better and better every week. There was a little bit of a mishit there uh, last week with uh, Don and Kenny being a part of it and you know their kind of antics, as you alluded to earlier, uh, just interrupting each other and basically just repeating everything Tony Khan said with a negative connotation kind of thing uh, was a little bit of a miss, but they got it back on track today as Tony Khan absolutely impressed me in this spot. He absolutely killed this promo and you can just see his confidence is getting better and better, and bigger and bigger. Um, I, I mean, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago there about how, Elevations a, a really good spot for him to practice and hone this kind of on screen character. I'm sure he's starting to feel the itch. I'm sure he's starting to feel the pressure. Maybe Cody and and Kenny are are, are poking and prodding him. Like you know, you should you should you should do a segment. You should just go do a segment or something. So this. This paid advertisement was the best so far. Tony Khan absolutely killed it. Really, really impressed me with this promo.
1: Yeah, I feel like uh, Tony went like full Jimmy Hart on this one. He was <laughs> good so reference. Animated. Yeah, good reference. Just, you know, yelling at the camera. Um, yeah, no, this was his best work so far. I, I like that. You know, Tony didn't really have too much going on in this one the the only the only thing that if i had to criticize this is it's the repetitiveness of it yes. so he's promoing the matches and then tony re-promos the matches all, all over again um I, I think if they made this you know a little bit more linear and we didn't have the repetition then it would probably you know come off better but uh yeah you're right i uh, get him on elevation on a regular basis, get him in a, in a program with somebody. And then, you know, one day we're going to see him on, on a dynamite or a pay-per-view and everyone's just gonna, just gonna lose their shit.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, la- I like what you said there about the repetitiveness, you know, Tony Khan kind of runs through all the matches and, and hypes them up. In the in the the guise of of the promo, and then he throws it to Tony, and Tony does the more traditional, you know, voiceover run through of the the exact same card, and we do get to hear it twice, sometimes three times, as uh, you know, Tony Khan can kind of go back on his words and, and repeat himself. But uh, yeah, it, it, if Tony Khan stuck to doing the promo, maybe he hypes up the main event for that night. And then throws to Tony, and Tony gives us the rest of the card. It would come off a whole lot better, I I feel. Yeah, yeah. I agree. And then just before we move into Wednesday Night Dynamite, I just remembered as we were talking, it is official. I believe it's happening after WrestleMania weekend, which will be around that rebellion time, April 25th or or so. Um, NXT officially moving to Tuesday nights and Impact officially moving to Thursday nights. So I thought that was pretty interesting that, you know, Vanilla Brand moving to Tuesday. I don't think they had Impact in mind. I think that's just the night that the USA Network probably had a spot open. But I, I felt like Impact had learned their lessons in the past not to go up against you know, the vanilla brand and just making a quick decision. Like if you guys are going to run on, you know, if you guys are going to run on Tuesday, we can run on Thursday. We own the network we're on. We can put our show on at any time. It doesn't really matter. So I thought that was a really smart move by impact to move to Thursdays. Uh, Just quickly, what are your thoughts on, on this situation?
1: Yeah, I I think it is smart to not go up against WWE and, you know, it's, it's, really awesome for wrestling fans because now you know it's it's every day of the week we can enjoy something different it'll be interesting that we're probably not going to have the paid ads anymore since uh this is going to be the day after dynamite but um i'm sure they'll come up with something cooler even better maybe
0: impact starts doing paid ads on dynamite
1: oh yeah you know we
0: get a couple months of that of uh I, I I'm assuming it would be Kenny and Don I don't know if Scott Demore has cut a promo in, in a while I mean he does the backstage segments but you know maybe we'll see something like that yeah that'd be cool all right let's get into Wednesday night Dynamite <laughs> Wednesday night, dynamite, March thirty first, twenty twenty one, uh, Daly's Place, Jacksonville, Florida. This was, like I said, this was a really solid show uh, from start to finish. I-, I feel like I've been saying that more and more uh, lately, which is a good thing. The second half of this episode was just absolutely unreal. I know I I alluded to it a little bit earlier in the in the intro there, but. I can't say it enough. The second half, the second hour of this show just consistently consistently blew my mind every segment. It was just it was so good.
1: Yeah, I mean, even the first hour was a pretty good part of the show. It just kind of got overshadowed with all of the things that happened in the second hour. Um, yeah, you're right that it, in recent uh, memory here, we haven't had a time where we really you know, sort of didn't want to talk about Dynamite. Uh, we're always kind of hyped up for doing this, and it's just because they're having killer shows. So we start this one off with a, a really solid match and one that hits for guys like uh, like me. It's a bit n- nostalgic here to to see Christian Cage back in action. Christian Cage
0: officially making his in-ring debut. Uh, we had, like I mentioned last week, the 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 tease at Royal Rumble. He was in there for uh, for a little while, but uh, you know that's kind of a gimmick match, if, if you will. Uh, here he's officially in-ring singles competition, going up against an old friend in uh, Frankie Kazarian. Uh, we kind of lo- uh, thought that maybe this was Christian's, like, hey, let's just get someone I'm familiar with. You know, let's shake the the ring rust off. And boy, was there ever a little bit of ring rust. They, uh, I think this is the story that they were trying to tell. Um, I think they nailed it. I, I got to kind of think that Christian probably doesn't have the ring rust, that he made the ring rust look so good. Do you know what I mean? Like, what were your thoughts on on how they portrayed this story in this match?
1: I totally agree with you. Uh, that's what I was thinking as this match was, you know, initially happening. Christian Cage was really getting kind of beat up for most of the beginning of this match. The announcers at one point even used the term ring rust. But, I mean, take a look at Christian. I I don't know that I've ever seen this guy in the shape that he is right now. And he's been in the business for how long? So, Um, I can't imagine there's ring rust there at all. Uh, I'm sure he probably hasn't taken the bumps necessarily that he took in this one. This was a a pretty old-school match, I would say. Like, some of the moves in here we're not used to to really seeing. And, yeah, just a a great start for Christian in AEW.
0: I think that's the perfect description. Old-school. We've been saying that more and more, which, you know, it's not a bad thing when it comes to the actual matches themselves, you can't go wrong with that 80s, late 80s kind of style of just grinding, you know, wrestling, if, if you will. Um, not every match needs to be, you know, high spots and, and flips and, and all that, all that uh, circus stuff, as a lot of people like to kind of describe it as. But uh, this was just a grinded out, Lots of chain wrestling, man. We saw some snap mares. We saw fireman's carry. Uh, you know, just uh, Kazarian chicken had wing. chicken wing, crossface chicken wing. He had that in there for, uh, you know, a good solid two minutes, two, three minutes. So um, I just like this. And it builds Christian. the 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 overall goal is to build Christian's. Character up, and they I think they absolutely nailed it with uh, the ring rust, and then he kind of just squeaks it out at the end after kicking out of a you know the flux capacitor. And uh, yeah. yeah, holy man, it was just a good match! It was a good, solid 20 plus minute match.
1: Was uh, was Christian always like a like Brock Lesnar, where he's just you know red and completely <laughs> drenched in sweat? Like, I don't remember Christian being like that, but. Uh, uh, he, he looked tired at the end of this one he he was
0: always a sweater but uh the the tomato the tomato red face might be something new in the in his you know advanced uh maturity we'll say
1: <laughs> nice way to put that <laughs>
0: yeah for sure uh so like I said Christian Cage hits the kill switch his signature move uh gets the one two three over Frankie Kazarian um the other thing I just want to quickly mention is uh commentary uh reminding us kind of hinting that uh this uh Frankie Christopher Daniels tag team story is kind of still going on we've been seeing it on Elevation and Dark so I thought that was just kind of smart of them just to keep that keep that in our minds I liked it uh we move on to a quick video package from Darby Allen and Sting uh, Darby kind of cutting a promo uh, over uh, Matt Hardy. We get to see the the return of the kind of the cutout masks that uh, Darby was wearing with uh, all his feuds kind of last year. It was nice to see that again, and uh, I like what he talks about here. And you know, the uh, emphasis of the whole promo is you know your money don't mean shit to me. If you want this title, then you know, come and get it. So uh, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing, you know, the Darby Matt. I I think they could uh, do some good stuff. I I know Darby will bump, will take every bump for Matt, and uh, I think it'll be a good feud. Looking forward to
1: it. Yeah, it was good to see one of these again, this sort of style, the black and white with the mask. I I really think that's cool. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to a Matt Hardy Darby Allen. I think this would be good. It's uh, a bit confusing since, you know, Matt Hardy seems to be feuding with Dark Order at this point. But, I mean, um, this is a pay-per-view quality match that that they can do uh, with the uh, pay-per-view coming up shortly.
0: For sure. From there, we go into a video promo with Jade Cargill. Uh, This was another, you know, pre-recorded. It wasn't even a backstage thing. It was kind of just one of those... um, you know, pre-recorded preset type type promos, a lot of B-roll showing her kicking, uh, kicking the shit out of red velvet. And, uh, she just basically talks about red velvet here and how, you know, if you want to step up, that's fine. But, uh, you're going to find out that I'm kind of the bee's knees around here now. And, uh, she doesn't say bee's knees; She's not from the fifties, but y- you know what I'm saying? Uh, She's the bitch, is is, is kind of how she puts it. So we mentioned this before when we talked about Jade on the microphone. By giving her these pre-recorded spots, it allows her to kind of hone her craft, gets comfortable, having that safety net of retakes. Or or whatever she may need, um. When she starts hitting these, you know, one two takes, then you know maybe she has that confidence to go live. Uh, I'm glad they're sticking to this formula.
1: Yeah, I think it's I think it's smart too. It will really work against her character if they throw her on the mic and she she misses continually. So um, yeah, good job on who's ever deciding to do this. She might herself not even have the confidence to go live yet. So that maybe this is why they're choosing to go this way. But, um, you know, even someone like Britt Baker is, is still doing these types of things, transitioning to live at, you know, certain points. So I'm sure at some point we'll see Jade do more Mike live work on, on dynamite.
0: Yeah. I mean, the first time we ever saw Jade was that live promo, as she interrupts Cody, and I mean, like we we kind of tore it to pieces. Uh, we gave her the benefit of the doubt that this was the first time she was ever performing. Really, as as we found out, she was very very new to the business. But uh, we gave that suggestion right then and there, like, oh, you know, maybe we get into doing some pre recorded type stuff, and and she'll have time to practice. And it, it seems that's what they're doing. You know, Tony Khan listens listens to the show, so he's taking our advice. I, I like it. When we come back from a uh, commercial break, we're getting this exhibition match, QT Marshall versus Cody. Uh, Arne Anderson as the special guest referee. This was a weird billing. This was a weird booking. I, I get where they're going with all of this. But the fact that it was, you know, an exhibition match, there was going to be no winner or loser. I don't know. It just seemed odd after we go through everything that we went through here. It it makes sense, but I still think I still think it was a weird booking. Uh, what well, what did you think of the the setup of the exhibition match?
1: You know, I, I still really don't even know what to to think about all this. Uh, there was something weird about it. Um, was it even just having Arn Anderson as the guest referee? Like, did that need to happen? Like, after it's all said and done, and you look back at it, did did Arne Anderson Anderson need to be the guest referee? Like, you knew he wasn't going to be able to tuck in his shirt. I don't know. (laughs) I think that's the weirdest part about it. I mean, we get the story here. QT Marshall is not happy, not getting maybe the chances that he should be. Cody giving him the chances, even though he's kind of injured. And Cody saying, "You know what? I'm not going to hurt you. You know, I, I could, but I'm not going to do it." And, and ha- sort of having that disrespect there. I don't know. Yeah, it, it was it was all weird. And I have to say, I, I didn't really expect what happened here. And 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 that was good because I thought this match, or not even the match. The match actually wasn't that great, but. No. The, all the after stuff was fantastic. I was
0: just surprised, pleasantly surprised, that the entire Nightmare family was
1: there. Well, that was the first pop, eh?
0: Yeah, this is the first time we've seen the entire Nightmare family together. All that was missing was Brandy and Red Velvet. I mean, is Red Velvet officially Nightmare family? I, I think so. I don't think it, it's ever been officially, uh, you know, Notarized, I guess, but uh you know those were the only two missing all all the all the the members were there, so I was like really excited that we finally got to see that, and then, of course, all hell breaks loose, uh like you mentioned, match wasn't anything to write home about, uh, but it all starts off with uh, a moment where. You know, Cody's really getting the upper hand on QT. QT's starting to get really frustrated. There's a moment where he makes uh he gets kind of thrown out of the ring, and Cody being, you know, Cody kind of that captain, uh, alpha kind of character, patriarch of the uh nightmare family. He does the old uh, you know. Here, let me help you get back into the ring. Holds the ropes in. I think this is just the final straw uh, for for QT as he turns around and immediately just absolutely bitch slaps Arn Anderson. Um, just absolutely suckied him. The only thing before we go any further with the with what happened here, the only thing I didn't like about this is is. So after the punch, QT kind of just makes his way out of the ring, gets up to the ramp, and then he plays it off like, oh, my God, what have I just done? And, you know, commentary selling it like, what did he just do? He he looks like he's got so much regret. You know, they really sell that. I, I feel like the way QT just kind of steps in the ring and then goes right for Arn Anderson doesn't jive with how he reacted. I think if he was i think i mentioned this while we were watching it if he if he's backing into the ring kind of keeping his eye on Cody and arn just happened to be there they kind of do a bumping he just turns around and reacts and, and and knocks then he does the whole like oh my god what have i done i think that all just flows a little bit better and then when the turn happens it just makes it even more I don't know. Just it would have been better. It would have just been better. And I wonder if uh that was the plan to begin with and, and you know things you know start getting rushed or whatever and you know we got to get through the segment it gets lost I don't know but that's my only complaint with this uh with this segment.
1: Yeah, I I, I see why you you think it that way uh it uh, it was a the the selling wasn't accurate right right it's like hey you punched him in the head but then he he does a Ziggler and grabs his knee you know it it doesn't it's not it's not what we're seeing so I I totally get that um I don't know if they were trying to go for a you know QT's kind of like losing his mind and like he's just so indecisive and all of these things uh whatever it was we weren't we weren't getting it Um, The way this kind of even went, it was like it was very much like MGF, right? Like the backing into the corner of MGF with the whole, you know, turn on inner circle. This was the same thing. This was, you know, QT backing off. He just didn't end it with the, the kind of the smile sort of thing. Um, so yeah, it would have been nice to see this go up a bit different. I, I definitely like your version as you know, I pretty much always do. Um, you know, the, uh, the, when you get that promotion going, I'm definitely watching.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, so there's a moment where QT's up on the ramp, uh, the nightmare family, all, all the members make their way into the ring as they all kind of have their backs to the hard camera. QT's in the foreground uh, or the, or the background, I should say. And then I forget what all, all happened, but there there's three definite turns here as solo, camarado, and uh, Anthony Agogo, Anthony, right? Anthony Agogo. Yep. Uh, they kind of make their turn. Um, they absolutely decimate the remaining members of the Nightmare Family, including Gun Club. Uh, Dustin. Dustin takes uh, a chair shot to the head. I think no, wasn't a chair shot. He took something to the head though. Absolutely busts him open. Cody gets absolutely ravaged. Lee Johnson. Uh, took. Took a beating here as, as Camarado just absolutely pommels this kid with uh, some big, some big bumps. Uh, Billy Gunn, you know, getting tossed around, making him, Camarado kind of makes Billy Gunn look small. Uh, I, I thought this whole beatdown was was really well done. I like the turns. I like that Anthony Agogo's finally making his way into the wrestling side of things. You know, getting getting off that uh, commentary desk on Dark. Um, we know we, he's been training with QT at the Nightmare Factory, so I, I like how that all is, is sewing together. I think this is really smart. What are your thoughts on on the three that uh, turned and and how they? How they performed this uh, this beatdown?
1: I like I say I I did not see this coming, uh, especially out of these guys here. I, if you asked me before Dynamite here what you think QT is going to end up with, I would have said he's going to go single or or maybe be joined up with someone new to the company. Uh, I would have never thought that he would take. These guys with them, I I love the fact that they're kind of nobodies. If right. I like, no disrespect to these guys, but they're kind of the, the nobodies, and um, yeah, it, it's it's good that Anthony Agogo. This is the way they introduce him a- instead of trying to, I don't know, go all rocky with it or, or something right. like that. And and it, it, the first time we see him is in a match, and then he sucks ass. I, I like that we're seeing him. Like this, um, I thought that the whole you know Cody spot with uh, Anthony here was uh, a bit forced, a bit forced. Uh, but um, you know, overall, I-, I loved this segment. It's it's up there with the with the ending of the show for sure.
0: Yeah, a- Anthony Gogo needs to learn that if you don't get the buttons undone the first two times. Then just leave your sleeve down. You know, he he struggled with those cufflings like for for way too long and it really kind of halted the whole segment. But uh no, it was great. Uh we get that big pile driver on the steps on uh Dustin from QT. And then we we are going to uh, we're teasing a a big chair spot onto Cody as uh you know QT's got his head pinned on, on the steps. Red Velvet comes out for the save. Um, she's just screaming, screaming at uh, at QT not to do this as we go to commercial, uh, as we go to commercial breaks. So, yeah, interesting uh, turn of events. I thought it was one of the uh, better done turns that we've seen in AEW so far. Um, yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes. It looks like we have yet another faction um, as we'll talk about factions a little bit later on in the show for sure. But uh, just before we uh, just before we get to commercial break, I should say uh, we get a video package from uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. And I like how this was done. I thought I thought this was going to be two guys given the same promo and then, you know it, they're both going up against each other i thought i would have really liked to see this this matchup ethan page and scorpio sky but instead they're tag teaming this kind of out of nowhere uh we totally thought scorpio sky was was well on his way for a singles run here but uh putting them together with another uh another tag team partner i wonder if this is a, a one off thing or or if this is something that these guys actually want
1: right yeah it it is a bit odd i was surprised by the ending of this where they'll be tagging next week i mean i wouldn't even mind if these guys don't get along in this match and then end up facing each other so um yeah it'll be interesting to see where this one goes
0: uh, and they're promoting elevation, right? They're they're tagging on elevation next week. I, I think th- so. I think yeah, that yeah, was yeah. part of the thing. So it, it's nice to see that uh, Dynamite, you know, AEW is promoting the other show now uh, on Dynamite. Uh, I think that's 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 a necessary type type of thing that you got to really promote the, the the new YouTube show and stuff. So that was cool. We go right into a back uh, a backstage interview with Red Velvet, uh, being asked, you know, why she went out and and protected Cody, and and uh, she gives a really good answer. But uh, before, you know, she can really get going uh, in her in her answer, Jade Cargill kind of comes out of nowhere. Uh, Kind of a stiff ski kick to the to the stomach on Red Velvet. Uh the the noise that Red Velvet made as as the air escapes her body there. Uh it made it made it look stiff. Like I uh, I hope she I hope that wasn't the case. But uh there might be a receipt in uh, Jade Cargill's future for this one.
1: It'll make uh the match that they will eventually have um that much more uh you know blood between them i like it
0: yeah i like it too uh we get caught up with john moxley from a promo filmed earlier in the day he's hyping up the match with uh, bonone that we're about to see uh again this was kind of another situation with uh, what we saw with dawn on impact it, it was kind of nice to see moxley back by himself no eddie kingston to kind of you know, overthink things and not, not that Eddie Kingston's overthinking things. They both kind of overthink things and, and try to make things, uh, make their lines a little too casual sometimes. And, uh, they trip each other up. So it was nice to see Moxley back, uh, back on his own. And, uh, he cuts a great promo here and, uh, you know, classic Moxley just wants to d- punch people in the face and drop them on their heads, choke them out and put them to sleep. So I was excited to see this again.
1: You know what? One thing that I think John Moxley doesn't get enough credit for is he's uh, he's putting all the feuds together. You know, he's talking about Kenny Omega, he's talking about the Young Bucks, he's talking about the Good Brothers, and somehow fits Benone in there. The guy is is just amazing on the mic, and yeah, I would say uh, do more promos on your own. Yeah, um, a- unless you can get eddie to take his turn
0: (laughs) yeah for sure uh just uh just a heads up to the vanilla brand writers out there this is what promos are supposed to be like sound like so just take some notes do some better writings and maybe maybe the guys in the back won't be so uh aggravated when you hand them when you hand them their their scripts if you will uh it's amazing how much how how different Moxley and Ambrose are when it comes to promos, right, right. So that leads us into the match. John moxley taking up taking on Cesar bononi, Uh Benoni getting two matches in on Dynamite in a row. I like this this guy, this kid. I don't even know how old he is. I don't know how long he's been in the business, but he's uh he's almost he's got the rocket ship strapped to his back. They haven't quite lit it yet. But it's ready to go. This kid is a star in the making. Um, I I, I found it weird that Avalon is kind of out of the picture, and he's he's being uh, escorted to the ring by uh, the Hollywood hunk, Ryan Namath, and uh, the new guy, J.D. Drake. Um, As we saw, Drake take on Moxley on Elevation this week. uh, It was a pretty uh, decent match. I don't know. I found it weird that... uh, things are changing with Bononi, but maybe it's for the better. I'm excited to see where, where they take this kid. Like I said, the rocket ship strapped to his back. They just got to light the fuse.
1: Yeah. I thought it was odd too. Cause I, I kind of like that pairing that they had going, yeah, me too. but um, I wonder if maybe, you know, Nemeth and Drake and Benoni have some, some, uh, you know, past, some history, they work together, they maybe they brought something up to Tony, or maybe Tony saw something and said, "Hey, maybe we should, we should use this chemistry these guys have." Um, Peter Avalon can work on his own; he can get himself over, so he doesn't really need Benoni. Uh, whatever it is, um, th- this kid is starting to to make him. Sp- sort we're starting to see the presence that, that he has, you know, he's big, but he can also wrestle. Uh, I thought in this match, he sold really well for Moxley Moxley sold really well for him. This was a, this was a really, really good match for, for both of these guys.
0: Yeah, for sure. Completely agree. Uh, I I agree with everything you said there, there, there might be, yeah, there might be some, some history between these three and, uh, Well, like I said, I'm just excited to see where it goes. Um, As we get into the ending of this match, uh, there's JD Drake causing the distraction uh, uh, with the ref. Namath comes in to take the paradigm shift, which uh, I thought was was clever because we still get to see the big uh, finisher move that Moxley probably can't do on the bigger Benoni, but we still get to see it on TV um just absolutely destroys Nemeth and then uh a quick you know a quick little reversal leads into the the old school sleeper hold uh for the uh the blackout you know no tap he he goes to sleep and uh the ref stops the match i thought it, i thought it was a really strong finish
1: yeah i love uh i love that they put in the sleeper hold in there i don't think we we see it enough and um you know, there we go again, saying the term old school is uh, I, I am just feeding into that. I love it. Would you want
0: them to bring back the, the, the three arm lifts? Or do you think that's hokey Are are we past that? I used to love that shit and no one did it better than Hogan. Cause Hogan could always just look dead to the world with all that sweat and the, the thinning of his, you know, whatever you call that hair. But and then he just starts hulking up and his cheeks start puffing out, like no one did it better. I always got hyped for that stuff. But I think in today's world, I, I, I'm glad they don't do it. I was curious on your thoughts. If they start bringing back the sleep or do they bring back the three arm lifts?
1: Um, maybe maybe if they do bring it back, it's, um, you know, not something you do every time. So just you know, every every now and then. I, I think only some people can get away with it as well. Right. You know, I, I could I could imagine a Moxley, you know, doing something like that. Um, Kenny,
0: I think Ke- if Kenny was in the sleeper, I bet he could sell the, the three and then really Hulk up after the after the last one. Good yeah, point. yeah. That that leads us into a another segment with uh, Team Taz. Uh, they're kind of just sitting around uh, in a semicircle. Taz is standing up ab- above them. This was a, just another, you know, Team Taz is okay, just kind of reassuring us we're getting back into that that unfortunate revel, you know uh what do I want to say uh revolving door uh vicious circle of Team Taz just kind of repeating themselves week to week. Um nothing really new out of these guys. I guess we were building on what we saw the previous week with Starks and Cage kind of going back at each other. Um, I don't know how, how much, how long can this really last? Uh, I think I think we're going to see Cage versus Starks at some point. I think that's where we're headed.
1: I mean, if it's not, that's definitely what they're teasing here. And um, I, I don't know what that match would look like for me. Uh, it, it... It's as odd as Darby versus Cage. I mean, I would like to see, I would like to see Taz get in the ring. I'd like to see Taz, Cage, for the belt. I'm notice I didn't say title. I said belt. Right. And and then go for that.
0: Yeah, I like that. I mean, we we did talk about the possibilities that they could go with uh, on this, but. I guess we're just we're just going to have to wait and see where they take it. Uh I, th- I feel like it's going to be another slow burn. Um if they do it right it's fine but we're already getting into the repetitiveness uh, of of the bit and it's not working for me. They they've already they're already on the back burner for me. And I was I was so high on them a couple weeks ago but
1: I mean when yeah. it's, when it, it's they're the new uh Matt Hardy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just want the segment over, yeah. Yeah, exactly.
0: Uh, from there we go backstage with MJF. Uh he's they were billing this as uh, MJF is going to give uh, a gift to the Pinnacle. Um we catch up with them in the in the locker room that they stole from Inner Circle. Uh he's talking about bringing in a personal stylist and uh, interior decorator, very we're still kind of we're still following that kind of Ric Flair ish type, you know, lavish living, and you know, we're we're flying into Jacksonville on the private jet. We're going to Daly's place in the limo. You know, they're really portraying that. Um, what what are your thoughts on on how this uh, this scene is being set up? Like, are are you are you feeling like something's gonna happen, or is this just another? segment for the pinnacle to show off a little bit
1: i yeah i did not expect what was going on here i thought it was going to be more of that uh kind of building that those parallels between the four horsemen and the pinnacle and um yeah this was more kind of in your face to inner circle funny enough as we're watching the beginning of this I said to you, I'm like, you know what? I'm super pumped that, you know, inner circle is not just coming back the next week, and you know, we get you back. Uh, you know, let's go a few more weeks no inner circle, and then it'll be really surprising when it happens. So I was not expecting really anything here. Um, what were you expecting? What we saw?
0: I wasn't expecting this at all. Uh, it it wasn't until. It wasn't until he's, he, he goes, Hey, just wait. I, I got something else. And he's headed to the bathroom of all places. Like, could they not have taken the sign down? Like, we, we've seen the shots in that room enough times that we know that that's the bathroom, but just take it down. Like, why are you going back into the bathroom to get you know, the, the other gift for the guys. It didn't make sense. So it was kind of at that moment, I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to open it and Jericho's going to be standing there. Uh, sure enough, it, it it's not just Jericho. It's proud and powerful. It's Sammy. And this is my one critique is that, I mean, all the, all the pinnacle were sitting on the couch facing that door. MJF opens it wide enough that the camera can see, but then he closes it like, no one else saw he's like uh guys i think we should just get out of here they're none the wiser like i just thought that was kind of yeah i mean i get it but come on you know we're not dumb here but anyways (laughs) they go to escape and there's there's big uh jake hager uh blocking the other doorway and then all hell breaks loose um i love this brawl i love that it splits off into their um into their little sections. You know, it's FTR and, and Proud and Powerful. It's Hager and Wardlow. Um, Sammy just absolutely beats the shit out of uh, Sean Spears, which I thought was like, whoa we just got Sean Spears back and we're already burying him. Like he could have put up a little bit more of a fight against the very much smaller Sammy Guevara, but it was still really good. And uh, Sammy absolutely like he murdered Sean Spears with that. uh, I can't even remember what the move was, but he dunked him on his neck, man. It looked terrible.
1: Oh yeah, no, he's, uh, he's not coming back for a while uh, for (laughs) sure. Um, Yeah, no, this this whole part, with the the opening of the door, it it is a bit hokey. And I'll tell you what this reminds me of. This reminds me of uh, Monday Night Raw, you know, like around 96, 97. uh, I'm imagining, you know, a young rock in in the backstage, you know, opening up a door and, you know, seeing, you know, somebody in their bra and panties, like that kind of hokey kind of, Uh, segment is, is really what this was um, I can only imagine this had a lot of Jericho influence in it since you know that's the kind of stuff we saw him in in, in WWE and I think it's okay to to throw that in every, every now and then um, I thought MGF did a really good job at their reaction of kind of seeing them in there and just kind of closing the door but yeah, the the ending to this was just brutal. You know, Sean Spears dying, uh, cash money, the ice bath, like that made me react. I could just imagine what that, that would feel like. And then uh the, the piece de resistance here at the end. What what'd you think about the Jericho MGF spot?
0: I I thought I thought it was really good. I mean The swirly is is infamous, you know. Uh what, what, Revenge of the Nerds, you know, th- those movies, porkies and stuff like that, like swirlies were, were always kind of the thing in the 80s. That's what the bullies did. And, uh, I, I just love that, you know, the bathrooms right there, Jericho trying to get back at, at MJF for, you know, for the attack that we saw a couple weeks ago, it's there. Of course you have to do it. You just have to do it. And Jericho's kind of an old school guy like that. So, I mean, I was, I was like, Oh man, I hope he swirlies. them. sure enough. We got it. Uh, absolute props to MJF for even taking that. I doubt they emptied the toilet and and put, you know, Dasani Fiji water, whatever you want. Like, I, I doubt, I am sure that was just a fresh flush, uh, kind of, kind of water in there. And he took a mouthful of it. And as he gets pulled out, he spits it out. It was a great visual. Fucking MJF, man. He he's the man. Uh, I'm, i am getting more and more high on this kid every every week, every week we see him every time he touches the mic, every tweet he puts out, every time he wrestles man, he's, he's the best
1: yeah, I think the only thing this segment was missing is maybe some melted chocolate if they had oh. that in there it would have been the icing on the cake
0: From there, we get caught up with the Young Bucks as uh, Alex Marvez is interviewing uh, them. Again, always kind of quickly interrupted by Don Callis here. Uh, This is where Callis really, really stood out for me. He did great on Impact, but this promo that he did on on Matt Jackson was top tier. This is kind of the Don Callis that we've kind of come to know and love is very precise, very articulate and very to the point. And you got to give credit to Matt Jackson as well. The way he is reacting to this, um, kind of holding himself back, but you can see the steam is starting, to the the pressure is starting to rise in him. And there's a moment where he almost loses it and, and, and Dawn's ready for it, you know, but, uh, doesn't quite get it and and it takes uh it takes Don to the to the point where he tries to literally smack the rage out of Matt Jackson and you know he still doesn't kind of crack. So I thought this was a really well done spot.
1: Yeah, totally uh I, I, I think that uh that Don had a lapel mic on and you could hear Matt Jackson breathing like he was yeah. just, you know, uh just so mad. We've been seeing on being the elite in the last, you know, couple few weeks here that uh, the Young Bucks are really taking some heat on, kind of losing their edge that that they had, you know, back in the new Japan days. And this is just playing right into that. Um Don Callis just outright saying, you know, you, you guys are pathetic. And um yeah, I'm I can't wait until till this story kind of hits the climax and and we see uh, what the young bucks are gonna do,
0: yeah, and uh, you know, just more of the same from Don talking about how the young bucks they're the ones who turned their back on Kenny. It wasn't the other way around, like maybe the young bucks feel is happening, and then after after the sucker punch and the the non retaliation from matt jackson i i just like how don just slowly leans in and gets in matt's ear and just like you are truly pathetic and and kind of walks off and and the scene ends or whatever very well done. Don is hitting a, a new stride in his, uh, in his, in this character, the Invisible Hand. I, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm loving it more and more. I want to see, I want to see more Don by himself, kind of doing the dirty work behind, behind Kenny's back. And I think that opens up options for later, for much, much later in, in the story, that we can recall on some of this.
1: Right. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: Uh, this leads us into uh, a co-main event of the evening kind of thing. This was a huge match as we get to see the Lunch Brothers and Laredo Kid uh, triple-teaming again, going up against Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. Um, I thought it was interesting that Kenny didn't come out with any belts. You know, they... You know, we're really pushing this collector gimmick. Uh, He's got the AEW World Championship belt. He's got the AAA heavyweight belt. He's more than likely, I would put a lot of money on that. He's going to be impact champion pretty soon. Um, Why aren't you coming out with the belts? And, you know, they go through all the... um, The commentary goes through all the effort of mentioning that uh, Laredo Kid is the Cruiserweight AAA champion right now. And uh, the Lucha Brothers are the AAA Tag Team Champions. Like, bring the belts out. Like, why aren't we seeing this? Uh, I just wonder what the what the thinking is backstage with, with that.
1: Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, is it is it to get us to forget the whole collector thing? So it makes this match um, uh, that he's going to have with Rich Swan a bit more up in the air as to maybe who's going to win it. It's, it's weird. I'm not understanding it either.
0: All right, let's talk about this match. This was a absolute banger of a match. This is kind of, we're getting into the second hour at this point. Um, This is where the show really takes off and and it all started with this match. Uh, You got six of the best workers in the business right now. Um, and and a, a lot of the same story that we saw the last time we saw Laredo Kid with uh, the Lunch Brothers here, Laredo Kid really taking the brunt of, of the uh, of the punishment. Um, I I like that if it's by design they're 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 doing it smart. Not no offense to Laredo Kid, but you kind of are the outsider, so it makes sense that maybe you know everybody's picking on him. He is. I mean they mentioned that Laredo kid is the smaller of the two between him and Phoenix but I I I'm not convinced yet, but uh, they do a good job of not putting them side by side. <laughs> you know, Penta's kind of always in the middle, so it's a little tougher to tell. But, uh, I mean, this was an amazing match. Um, complete opposite of the Christian Kazarian match. Like, this was kind of all about the high spots. We got some old-school tag team wrestling as the good brothers are are working on Laredo Kid and keeping him in the corner, and there's lots of tags and all that stuff but i mean eventually all hell breaks loose and, and you know the the topes and the you know the spanish flies and i think uh ray phoenix did two laps around the rope on the top rope and uh it was wild and what did you think of the action when it came to this match
1: i mean it it was fantastic uh you guys listening know that i'm a i'm a ray phoenix fan so whenever he's in a match i'm definitely focused and watching and um, like you said you got six of the the best guys in wrestling right now and even though we criticize the six-man tag a lot and when the action gets super crazy it's kind of hard to focus on the match I thought they did a good job of doing both of those things together so you know everybody was kind of doing their parts but they were also making it very focused. Uh, shout out to the production team. I thought they did a good job because I think that's sometimes where the match lacks. And um, and you're right. Like uh, Laredo Kid took a, a lot of the beating here. We joked about it while we were, we were watching. There was some very... Poor Spanish being spoken <laughs> during this match. But uh I I really like this match. It's a very, very good match.
0: Let's talk about as we get into the ending of this match. Uh it ends up being Laredo Kid and Kenny uh back in the ring after some uh, awesome action under the outside and uh whew, I, it was it was some kind of pile driver. I can't even remember what the exact move is. It's just I saw Kenny's spine snap in half uh, as he gets absolutely dropped on his head. I don't know. I I can't. I can't. I I went back and watched it a couple times, and I still can't figure out if it's just because Laredo kid's a little bit smaller and Kenny's such a big guy, or did Kenny just forget to tuck his chin a little bit? But he absolutely gets spiked. Um, It looked scary. It goes right into the immediate false finish, and, and and there's a kick out. Kenny's just such a good seller that sometimes it's hard to tell if if he's actually selling or if he's actually hurt, kind of thing. Um, it, it's very much the Japanese style, and and I've seen Kenny get dunked on his head a lot, especially in the you know the akata matches. But, uh, you know, he's always fine after it. So I don't know if he's just that good at making it look that bad, but it was a scary moment.
1: Oh, yeah, and I, I'm just imagining the doctor in the back going, man, like, we're still working on Sean Spears. He's barely alive <laughs> at this point. Now we got to deal with Kenny coming to the back with a broken spine. Uh, no, it looked really, really scary. And, I mean, again, like you say, if this was intentional, Kenny's brilliant as we get a really late kind of false finish here and you're uh, you know, even though we kind of know like Kenny and the Good Brothers are not losing this match, this is giving you at least that little bit of doubt like, hey, are they, are they gonna are they gonna go this way with the match and then you know where will it go from there? Um, yeah, the, the ending to this match is just perfect.
0: Uh, after about seven reversed one-winged angels, uh, Kenny finally hits it, gets the one-two-three on Laredo Kid once again. Laredo actually sells the one-winged angel this time, which I thought was, you know, we got to give a round of applause to Laredo Kid for actually staying down for at least, you know, the camera to get off the, you know, to get off the ring as he rolls out. But I mean, if you notice. When we get into what happens afterwards, you see Laredo Kid get like helped out by uh by the Lunch Brothers there. So, uh, I mean, I gotta give props; like he absolutely no sold it at Triple Mania. Somebody must have said something to him because he 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 nailed it this time. Uh, but as the good brothers are trying to uh pick Kenny up because of course his legs don't work anymore, that's when Moxley comes strolling out of this uh, out of the tunnel. Uh, this is one of the few times that I'm glad there was no music, there was no music cue on this one. A lot of times when when there's kind of these moments I I look forward to the music cue and, and and, you know, that you get that kind of shock factor, then the camera starts snapping around. Um, But this one just worked with Moxley's character that there was no music cue. I thought it was just kind of a subtle little detail that uh, may, may go over a lot of people's head, but I thought it added to Moxley's character.
1: Yeah. And it definitely goes with what we heard him say earlier that, you know, he just doesn't give an F about about anybody in and these guys and um he he was out to drop somebody on his head. It's just too bad that Laredo beat him to it. Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> um it looks like Moxley's about to just jump the ring and try to take on all three, all four guys as Don Callis is in the ring too at this point, uh, which we've seen him do before. We, we know he's not uh, scared to to go into an unfair fight, but he's quickly flanked by the Young Bucks. And then here's the moment where I think the, the music cue would have been would have been really key if he's standing there and he's about to get in the ring. And then all of a sudden you hear that guitar, that if that would have hit, I think, I mean, I would have popped. I popped anyways, when I see the young bucks come out, but uh, I think by having the no cue for Moxley strolling out, but then have the music cue for the young bucks, I think it just would have added to the, to the whole situation. But uh, Moxley and the bucks rush the ring. Uh, everybody bails. Uh, I don't know. I like this, and I'm assuming some point after we see the six man tag with the Good Brothers and Kenny versus Eddie Edwards, Rich Swan, and Willie, we're probably gonna see a six man tag between Kenny and the Good Brothers and Moxley and the Young Bucks, and I think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be a good one.
1: I, I'm interested to to know or get your opinion on whether you thought they're there was a chance this wasn't going to go this way. I think it was very intentional that the young bucks flanked John Moxley here, and part of me was wondering, you know, is John going to turn around and get a super kick party? Uh, did you feel like that's at least a possibility that could happen? Did they did they sell it to you that way? Because they definitely sold it to me.
0: Yeah, I think there's always that possibility, especially with the way, you know, Don's been talking to the young bucks and how they've lost their edge. You know what I mean? Lost their their fire, and then yeah, they are kind of they're not standing beside Moxley; they're kind of standing behind him in a way. And uh, I think that could have been that kind of moment. We got that moment a little bit. The the last time you know uh was it I forget what the situation was but Kenny's in the ring uh with the good brothers there and and the young bucks come out and then everybody two sweets at the end uh yeah maybe we were teased that the the old young bucks are back but I'm I'm kind of glad that they went this way so I, I yeah there was always that possibility that uh super kick party was gonna get started up uh, from there we get into the next segment. Uh backstage interview with Britt Baker. She's on the phone looking for Tony Schiavone. He's not around. So she tells Reba just to conduct the uh the the interview. I, I like I like Reba in this in this moment, uh in this situation. She kind of just reaches, grabs the grabs the mic and and, and just goes into full interview remote. I, I liked it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like how, uh, you know, we don't need Tony. We, we, we can do his job. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That, that was hilarious. Yeah.
0: Um, Britt Baker just kind of, again, we're, we're in, in Britt's own way promoting elevation as, uh, you know, elevations there to elevate, you know, the, the Lord to mid Carters and she couldn't help but notice that Thunder Rosa was on the, uh, was on the call sheet for elevation and uh, she thought this was a good thing for Thunder Rosa to get her win count up because her her one win against Brett was in the unsanctioned match and and didn't count. I thought this is great heel work from Britt. Um she's really leaning into this uh more more than ever and uh yeah, it just comes off good and uh Britt making her look even even more heelish. I like it.
1: Yeah, her promos are are becoming really strong. The last one we seen her in, she looked a bit nervous, but I guess this one, being more of a backstage or pre-recorded video one, was it hit and it hit hard and strong. And I and uh, it, it, she's, I feel like she is going to to get to the like the Stone Cold status. She's gonna be too cool for school. Everybody's gonna love her back to being face at some point.
0: Uh, This leads us into another matchup. We got uh, the native beast Nyla Rose tagging with the bunny, uh, taking on Taikante and Hikaru Shida. Uh, This was a really decent match, actually. I I really like this match. Uh, We have the entire Dark Order out there, uh, you know, backing up uh, Taikante. And we also have the entire um, Hardy Family Office, as their official faction name is. you know, you know they were all going to get involved, and it didn't take long for, for the two groups to to be at at, at odds here. Um, but uh, as much as it as much as it was a distraction from the match itself, I thought, you know, after after the 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 brawl starts. The, the production crew gets right back. They don't spend a lot of time on the brawl itself. And we're right back into the action between Bunny and Ty Conte as they go into the finish. So it didn't steal any of the limelight away from the girls. And then we get that big spot with, uh, you know, Sheeta uh, taking the taking the cross body into the group and then them catching it. And then we get Ty Conte take it, taking the whole group out. I thought that was an awesome spot too. So uh, I really liked this match. I really enjoyed it.
1: Yeah. I think, uh, you know, we've mentioned the production team here a couple of times already. And, um, you know, maybe they're figuring it out. Maybe the, some of these wrestlers that are not used to wrestling on TV, maybe they're also figuring out, it doesn't really matter. Someone's figuring it out and it, it's uh, making these types of matches a lot better, um, you know. And, and what I mean by the types of matches is having these people at ringside and them being involved, and it's not totally about the wrestlers in the ring. Um, I agree. This uh, this match having some kind of odd tag teams, yeah. Um, and and um, uh, you know, we we've seen Nyla Rose and Sheeta in the past, and sometimes it doesn't come off good. So uh, I think everybody here had a good night. Bunny. Uh, this was her first. This was her return to action on
0: Dynamite. Every, you know, since the uh, since the uh, tag team eliminator tournament there a while back when she was tagging with Brandy. So it's been. It was nice to see Bunny back in action on Dynamite. Uh, she had a couple warm up matches in the weeks before on Dark and Elevation, I believe. So it was good to see Bunny, and I'm glad that they gave her you know the visible win, uh, hitting the uh, down the rabbit hole on. Ty Conte getting the one two three. I I think uh, the bunny needs this. Uh, I feel like she's been kind of forgotten about, uh, even though she is one of the uh, you know better wrestlers uh, in the women's division. Uh, We need to build her back up. I I like this.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you on that one.
0: We get a quick uh, segment with Jurassic Express as they hype up a, a matchup next week against Bear Country. This was absolute trash and garbage and was kind of the low point of the second of the second hour i don't know this was just awkward um the whole thing with uh luchasaurus kind of kind of getting away from this aggressive luchasaurus that we've been seeing in the past couple couple weeks i I was liking that and then we kind of went back to him being you know kind of the bte He wasn't wasn't necessarily the scholar luchasaurus but he's was kind of BTE, kind of broke character a little bit as you know he's reacting to Marco and and Jungle Boy. I didn't I didn't like this spot at all.
1: Yeah, I I think the thing the 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 pro to this though the what I like about this is Jungle Boy's talking he's doing promos just like we saw with the the uh, the FTR stuff um so I think that's good he he needs to do that to get better he he still has a very, I don't know, what do you call it? Immature kind of voice. Like he needs to get a little bit more of the, you know, the growl in there, the, you know, he could take some tips from, from Tony Khan. <laughs> and, um, yeah. The, what these guys always seem to play into is pop culture. Mm. So this was all a way of, you know, talking about the, the new King Kong, uh, you know Godzilla movie or whatever right. and um it, that that was very forced very purposeful it wasn't just a kind of a slide in um i was wondering like uh, yeah are they are, are are were they paid to promote this movie um that's the feeling i got from this so uh, we saw the whole bear country thing kind of happen uh, with their their last match when they tag team with them so this makes sense, but yeah, it was kind of distracting the the whole uh, Marco Stone bit.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Jungle Boy, he needs to channel his inner brother. You know what I mean? He he'll get there. He'll get there.
1: Yeah, he's, watch the Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, yeah, footage.
0: He, he's he's got so much Californian in him. You know what I mean? Like he's just so laid back. Yeah, he's just like sub dude, sub bro. I mean. Matt Riddle's making it work, you could argue. So, oh
1: man, yeah. I hope he doesn't go <laughs> he doesn't go that route.
0: Well, yeah, no, you can't go full Riddle, but
1: unless he's going heel because like Matt Riddle has it. I just totally despise him every time he's on. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's the kind of heel you want to be.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, this leads us into our main event of the evening. We got Miro and Kip Sabian taking on the best friends, Orange Cassidy and Chuck Taylor, uh, the Arcade Anarchy match. You know what? I'm glad I I went into this match with very 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 low expectations, and I think that's what made this match just kind of pop out. I mean, we'll get into the into the big pops and stuff like that, but you know, the first half of this match, you know, it was just a classic uh you know hardcore match uh the gimmick of having you know the token booth with all the prizes and it was all the weapons the kendo stick the trash can uh and all that stuff uh was all really it it, it was whatever but i mean at least they used it and, and you know i was fine with that um what did you think of the uh you know the first half of this match kind of the the traditional hardcore match that we got
1: I I was the same as you. I did not have a lot of expectations for this for a couple of reasons. Uh, the last time that we saw these guys in a match, it didn't come off very good. Um, the, the whole, you know, wedding thing, although, you know, not as bad as other wrestling weddings uh, still was, um, you know, it was just okay. And then you put this gimmick of the the arcade in there. And then when we actually see what it is, I don't know. To me, it was it was kind of wussy. I think that it would this would have been better if they would have picked a room in Daly's place and did that as the arcade. And then we saw it as more of a you know a cinematic type of match. But yeah, they got all the stuff around the ring, and I, I like that it turned into sort of the hardcore. The hardcore match uh, i i was actually pleasantly surprised as that we were going through here and i mean the best part of this is miro and cassidy like miro kicked the crap out of orange cassidy uh i think it was you at one point said i think he i think orange cassidy's pissed off and, and i think he's <laughs> when he was wailing him with the uh was it the top of a garbage can. Yeah. Uh, those look like some very stiff shots that Miro was taking.
0: Well, it was just funny because uh, Cassidy throws Kip into the whack-a-mole, which took Kip out of the – like, the whack-a-mole spot happened very early in the match and absolutely took him out of the match for a really long time, like, almost too long of a time. It was just a, a shitty, like – eighth inch thick plywood. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was not a sturdy little boxer, but anyways, uh, he was hitting him he is British. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> Cassidy was hitting him with something. I don't know if it was a piece. Oh, it was the hammer. It was the hammer for the whack-a-mole. And like, he was not putting much effort into it, which I mean, it's fine. It goes with his character, but, He was kind of taking it easy on Kip, and then Miro brought that chair out and absolutely pummeled Orange Cassidy with this chair. And I think that got Cassidy fired up. He's like, "Hey, I'm you know taking care of the team here. You know, we'll break kayfabe a little bit." And then he gets absolutely punished by Miro. So when that trash can lid came out he was swinging for the fences he was following through which uh you know is something you don't really do when you cut when it comes to hitting somebody with uh you know with these objects and stuff like that but that's yeah those those trash can lid spots were were huge um let's talk about the ending of this match um this is where everything just started just happening and um, like I mentioned, the bar was set very low. It was knocked down a couple pegs when you see the setup of the whole match. But just as this match was growing and growing and growing, it was getting better and better and better. Uh, we get the Lego spot with Chucky and 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 Kip. Uh, this leads into um, <clears throat> Cassidy kind of kind of coming out of nowhere, getting the uh, beach break, the orange punch the pin 1 2 and Penelope getting involved pulling Aubrey out of the ring. I thought this was a really cool match, you don't. You don't see Penelope kind of getting involved in this way? We I mean we haven't seen that in such a long time. You know since since Penelope and Kip kind of first were coming into the into the company and stuff like that. So it was nice to see Penelope get involved in that way and I just didn't see where this was going. Um I guess I don't know it should we mention what I said during the entrances or or do we can kind of keep that to ourselves, but like I honestly was not expecting what was gonna happen next to happen
1: right, 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 right um yeah i I was wondering up until this point, you know, if Penelope was gonna get involved um just because, like you say, when she does get involved, it's more of a maybe using her looks, or it's it's more of a a speaking part well, type so of distraction.
0: It's always behind the ref's back, you know. Kip will be distracting the ref, and then she'll hit the Run off the apron, or it something like that. It, it this is kind of the first time that she. I guess it's she's allowed to because of the hardcore match but like she's in the ref's face she literally pulls the ref out of the match. I just haven't seen her do this before.
1: Right. And I think when we see this kind of spot like is it ever done with a lady ref? Like I, I don't know that you see that too often, so I think that was even shocking just to see Aubrey be a part of the match like she was and um I don't know. Yeah, I really felt like this was the okay. (laughs) Business is about to pick up, as uh, JR would say.
0: I was totally expecting Penelope to smack Aubrey. I thought Aubrey was going to take a bump here. And what a perfect time for that to happen. Uh, In retrospect, I'm glad it didn't. But I was totally expecting, like, Aubrey's going to take a bump, man. She took that kick from Ray Phoenix in, in that PWG show or or whatever that was, that was amazing. You know this this could be the time. I I think it's coming. I, I think Aubrey's gonna take a bump. Uh, it'll it'll have to be from from a woman. I'm thinking. Uh, I don't know if TNT would would like that uh, Ray Phoenix kick on their on their network, but yeah. Probably anyways, probably <laughs> to to move forward, uh, we're on the outside, and I don't know. It was. <sighs> It was weird the setup because we went from you know Penelope and Aubrey arguing to Penelope, you know Penelope and Cassidy pushing her out of the way. Cassidy gets smacked by Penelope. He kind of just awkwardly makes his way over to the crane game, and I don't know. I was curious of what you thought the time how the how they timed this out because when I watched it back the second time. Cassidy never taps the bin. I never see the 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 people who are kind of standing behind it. I didn't see them make any signal. How did she time that so well? As a familiar face from a really long time ago, someone we haven't seen in almost a year makes her return. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah, I know it was it was it was crazy. I don't know how they did it either. I, I would have assumed that Cassidy would have uh, you know, uh, either said something or or something. There had to be some cue. I, I don't know how yeah. you know unless there was some kind of panel that that the the person inside of the crane game could see. Anyways, if you want me to, to say this,
0: that's your girl, man.
1: K-stat K Stat is back. I love this. I mean, you actually sort of spoiled this, but I'll be honest in that I did not think this was a realistic scenario that could happen just because I hadn't heard that she was even close to be, you know, coming back. Um, so, um, how did it go? Penelope's standing in front of the the crane machine and she pops up. And then, and then pushes the what would you call it the Just the plexiglass the glass yeah. yeah the glass that surrounds it right in her face. Uh, Penelope now probably wearing an eye patch uh, <laughs> takes takes it right to the face, and um, yeah, the place kind of goes bananas at this point. I, I think everybody was loving that that case that was back.
0: Oh, I'm absolutely loving that K-stat is back. And, and and what you're talking about me accidentally spoiling it. Like 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 I'm going to say this again. I was not expecting this to happen at all. But when Best Friends were coming out and they got their new music, you know, playing and and they're showing the big the big screen, there happened to be a little alien on the screen. And it's very very quick, but I caught it. I I don't know that it was has always been there. Maybe it has. Maybe you know we were starting to see the tease of, of Cassidy and K Stat kind of you know becoming a thing uh, on BTE before she was injured. Maybe they've had that alien in there this whole time, and I just never noticed. But uh, I was just like, oh, does that mean K Stat's going to be joining? joining the best friends at some point and you're like, Oh yeah, maybe. And then we totally forgot about it. Like honestly, never expected this to happen this soon. And they kept it quiet. Like we know K Stat was showing up on BTE and, and you know she had posted some things that she's getting better and and her knees getting stronger and stuff like that. But I didn't know she was that close to her a return. And uh we get a we get a cool little uh just um I mean, I'm not gonna say a mini match because Penelope doesn't really get any any offense in here. But K-Stat you know takes her out, and we get this cool uh, table spot on the side of the ring as uh, K-Stat just absolutely power bombs her through a uh, big sit down power bomb through the air hockey table. Uh, you know that was that was amazing. I like I was so I, I popped so hard for this. It was amazing.
1: Yeah, it was a a wicked spot. It it looked deadly. Um I I'm, I'm glad they destroyed it. That 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 air hockey table was not proportioned right. The the blue lines were way too close <laughs> to the uh, center ice line. Um but yeah, this was deadly. Awesome for Penelope for taking that move uh from the apron and man just makes just looks super, super powerful. Um, I'm sure they were both feeling that one uh, the next day.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, this leads into some more, you know, action. Uh, we we get to the other side of the ring where kind of all the arcade machines were there. Um, I, I can't even. Rem- I'm like, I'm so, I'm popping so hard for Case that at this point that I totally blocked this this next little bit out until the next surprise happens and uh, wasn't expecting this at all. You know, it's very rare that uh, you get two returns in the same match like this. Um, I thought they did. I thought this was very, very well done in the whole spectrum of things, but there's a moment where Miro absolutely ta- takes out orange Cassidy absolutely takes out Chucky T and Miro's kind of standing tall over everybody as the camera kind of pans off to the ramp, uh, the rampway that we've seen in, in many episodes of Dynamite at Daily's Place. And there it is, the headlights, the white Honda minivan. We all know what's coming next. This was, I mean, no offense to Case that, but I might have popped even harder for for this one. Well, what would you think of uh, the second surprise?
1: Uh, well, I mean, we love Sue and, and Sue's got the AEW dynamite money. Uh, she's looking good for, for her age and yeah, we know who's, uh, who's getting out of the vehicle and, and, uh, you know, Trent rounding out the team. I mean, this is fantastic. Uh, we, we talked about, you know, the best matches in, in dynamite and it it was that, um, that parking lot match. So to have Trent back and, and possibly maybe further this feud or have, you know, best friends go up against somebody else um, it is fantastic. And uh, I'm sure we're going to talk about it, but I'll just remind you that, you know, at the end of this, you said we have another faction. Um, you know, we got at least four people in a group here. Um, it's looking really bright for the things that, AEW is going to be able to do.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Trent Trent gets involved, uh, helps take out Miro. Uh, Chucky T gets Kip Sabian up on the ramp and puts him through uh, a big stack of tables that was disguised with some uh, black drapery. Uh, gets the one, two, three. Uh, the best friends meet in the middle. There's the big best friends hug. And then K-Stat makes her way in the ring and they welcome her into the, into the best friends, essentially. And, and like you mentioned, it's another faction, which is something I alluded to earlier in the show. And I think we need to talk about it. It's something that I have wanted. For a really long time, I'd say 10 plus years, I've been saying we need to get more factions in professional wrestling, the faction era of the Attitude Era, um, you know, NWO, LWO, you know, black and white, red and black, uh, the WCW, you know, that was all one thing on, on the Turner side. You go to the wrestling side, you had DX, the Heart Foundation, um, you know, they're there I can't even think of another faction. Uh you know. The the, nation. Yeah, nation. Uh you know, it was such a good time. It allowed for more people to get TV time without, you know, having to even work, but they could get their gimmicks in. People were getting over. It I, I thought I thought it was a good time and I think enough time has passed that we're getting back to that and now you're looking at AEW in the situation we're in we're gonna have the inner circle we have the pinnacle uh we have the nightmare family in its original form I guess you can say we have this yet to be named uh split off group with uh QT Marshall at the helm uh we have the best friends uh, I'm I'm missing one more for sure. Dark Order, Hardy Family Office, you know, that's seven right there. It, it's, it's an amazing time for AEW. Um, is it a much? You know, we can argue that seven, that's a lot of factions, but this is kind of what I wanted, and I'm just really interested to see where they're going to take this. Uh, I'm excited for a resurgence of the faction era in professional wrestling. Kenny and the Good Brothers—that's another one,
1: right? I was thinking that too. Yeah, um, I mean, you, you just from a wrestling perspective, it gives you much more options on storylines and uh, the kind of programs that people can have. So, uh, yeah, it is exciting. I, I'm liking it as long as they keep it fresh. It's going to be good. And uh, I know there's there's haters out there with with all the factions. Um, give it a chance. Before you start crapping on it, give it a chance. I think it's gonna be good. You think it's gonna be good. And we know more than most of those marks out there. So
0: <laughs> for sure. Yeah, uh Corporation, Ministry of Darkness. How do you forget those two? That was like the best feud ever. But like you said, that that's what the factions can do. You get you have a champion in one faction and then you have the challenger from another faction working its way up, and he's gotta wrestle everybody in that faction to get to the champ, like, it's just, it writes itself and it makes for long-term storytelling. You can really, you know, you can really work the stories when you have more people involved. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm excited. This was such a great show. stat returns, uh, Trent returns, the inner circle returns, absolutely decimates the pinnacle getting back at for the beat down a couple of weeks ago. Uh I'm pretty sure Santana is going to jail for attempted murder as he stabs Dax with that chair leg. He I watched it back again. He did not tuck the sharp part and Dax uh puts it all on his uh, social media. He had a uh, 10 or 12 stitches in in the top of his head as uh Santana spiked him with that thing. It was an amazing show. I I, I absolutely loved it.
1: Yeah, I, the, the doc's office would have been pretty, pretty busy after this episode.
0: <laughs> no doubt. We got Sean Spears, broken neck for sure. Kenny, broken neck for sure. Dax gets stabbed in the head. Uh, Dustin was busted open. Uh, Penelope's probably not feeling so good after the big power bomb. Uh, just an absolute banger of a show by, by all, all the definitions. I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Can't wait for next week.
1: Absolutely. I agree.
0: All right. With that being said, thanks for listening, everybody. Make sure you are subscribed to the podcast on Spotify, Apple podcast, Google podcast, wherever you get your podcasts from, leave us those five-star ratings and we'll catch you all next week. Peace.